who this been watching? Who this is me? I've been watching with these two things right here. Different movies, TV series, shit on the TV, on your phone, screen, tablet, whatever the fuck you use, computer sometimes as well. Just to watch different things. After I watch said things, I get on here, IG Live every Saturday. Times to be determined and scheduled in advance to let you know what caught my attention. I'm who this, I host this page, who this is one. I was formerly the host of the previous, uh, no longer existing podcast, better yet said, called Blank Blank. I can't even say the name anymore. I'm too embarrassed. I'm too ashamed of myself to even refer to what I used to do mainly and what used to be my passion. But because of me committing a crime, because of me being an asshole and doing something I should have never did, but it only took me about, oh, seven years roughly to realize I did what I'd done stupidly, I had to stop it. I had to put an end to it. Therefore, my podcast, you know, uh, formerly known as Something Spectacular, is no longer existing. It will not be removed from the internet because nothing goes away from the internet nowadays. It stays on there forever. <laughs> Excuse me. Drink too much seltzer. But yeah, that's done and gone. The very last episode, and oddly enough, episode 50 of said podcast is up now check out the link in my bio you can listen to it via all dsps digital streaming platforms audio format means spotify itunes soundcloud stitcher google uh whatever the fuck else however the fuck else you get your podcasts up there too most importantly please support and i really appreciate you doing so having actually listened to me the few of you that did and went to my youtube channel youtube.com backslash who this is one and have been checking out the videos i've gotten some feedback recently on some past stuff i've done this past week which i'm bittersweet because of all weeks this is when i posted up my final episode of my i guess my child my baby podcast something spectacular but again i also got some praise and comments and some likes from out of nowhere which is always very much appreciated and i Really appreciate those of you, again, who listened to me from here and actually went to the YouTube and checked out whatever I had up on there, too, and showed that some love. But yeah, those of you that haven't yet, I'd really appreciate it if you did. It means a lot to me, and it helps me get more views, at least now, for the only thing I'm really doing anymore, which is this, who this been watching, not your average movie review program. And, you know, it, it's with a grain of salt you can take it as a full-on movie review, I'm not going to be like any old ordinary cuck you might have in mind. It's like, I really love this movie because it changed my world and perspective on this, whatever. No. Simply put, layman's terms, even a caveman can understand and figure this out. Shout out to Geico. I watched the movie and then I tell you what I thought about the movie. Yes, there's a lot of that involved, but also I like to point out a lot of different things about the movie I watched. Either calling it out for its bluff or better yet said saying the things you or someone else you might look up to might be too scared to say you know because YouTube does have an algorithm IG does too and such and they might like filter you to the bottom for keeping it real per se as much as that term is thrown around and I hate it by now nowadays too 
But yeah, that's basically what I do with who that's been watching. So that's it. And speaking of that's it, that's it for the old podcast. So don't ask me for no episodes. No new episodes of something spectacular. No more. Episode 50 again, please do me a favor. I shot something very special and close to heart to really drop the point home for that very last episode, episode 50 of the old podcast I used to do. And also, before we jump into today's feature film that we'll be discussing and dissecting thoroughly, shout-outs to Above the Empty, the group that consists of, I believe his name is Patrick, as I was told and informed, and also... Uh, wink wink most importantly because I actually interviewed him I've interacted with him and he's a pretty cool kid Uh, Dr. Mike MD on the drums Uh, they came together and put together the band called Above the Empty apparently they've been together for a while they're not new but what happens to be new is their current single released on all days January 1st 2021 1-1-21 that's a lot of numbers so hopefully they bought a scratch here like a quick pick lotto ticket after picking that date of all days with all the numbers involved. Numerology, of course, is important. Above the Empty with their new single, Liberate. That's out now. I used that. Well, I asked for permission, of course, from Dr. Mike MD first. He granted me and blessed me with being able to do so. So I used their current single, Liberate, or as I thought at first for some reason, because I was thinking in Spanish first off, I might have just flipped off Telemundo. I might have just ate some overly adobo without chicken breast or whatever but I read it first as Liberate but it's Liberate from Above the Empty check it out on YouTube it's on their IG page at Above the Empty shout outs to Mike the MD drummer uh, about to be a neuro surgeon I believe correct me if I'm wrong Mike and you know shout outs to the other guy Patrick I believe his name is if I'm getting it wrong apologies bro but apparently you're not on IG so I can't really properly shout you out but yeah much love to them much appreciated for letting me use their song as the soundtrack for the goodbye episode of that podcast that I will no longer be referring to as at this point onwards, so don't fucking ask me no more. All right. Now, excuse me. For today's edition of Who This Been Watching, we're throwing it back to 1995. To be specific, I believe it's August something something, 1995. No, it might be sooner than that. It was summer, give or take. I, I do remember... When the movie actually came out because it was one of those, as a child, 10 years old in 1995, I dragged and practically begged my mother to go see this movie. I was a good child otherwise, I swear to God. I didn't sound like this, by the way, at 10 years old. That didn't come till a little afterwards. But I did beg my mother to take me to see this movie, 1995's Mortal Kombat. Now listen, other reviews might worry about getting the fucking names of the cast right. Or the synopsis of the whole fucking plot point and derivative and whatever and whatnot. We're not doing that here. I'm assuming you know how to use Google at this point. If you got an IG account, if you're watching me live as we speak, or if you're watching me later on on YouTube, or if you're listening to me later on, again, on your DSP of choice, however, or wherever you get your podcast from, I'm sure you know how to use the fucking internet by now. So I don't got to tell you. All the little deets and little fun tidbits about, oh, starring this guy, starring that guy. I can't fucking remember. It's Mortal Kombat. How you expect me to fucking know all that shit anyway? Does it really fucking matter? I don't think it does. So don't worry about that part. You really want to know that bad? There's one piece of ass. I'm a male, red-blooded, 
fucking testosterone levels are at its peak point and I'm 35 going on 40 who knows when soon enough so it's still healthy I wake up with morning wood so forgive me for being a man still nowadays even though it's 2020 and for only bothering to remember what the hot ass female was in the flick and I'm not talking about Sonya Blade I'm talking about Princess Katana or Talisa Soto I believe her real legit name is according to IMDB Excuse me for finding the piece of ass attractive. I'm sorry, but that's what it is. But okay, getting into it. Mortal Kombat, 1995. I go see this thing when I'm 10 years old. My fondest memory of it is... It wasn't... Well, I was 10 years old. What the fuck do I know at this point? It wasn't too bad. I didn't think so anyway. Now I'm watching it 25 years later, pretty much. With a different set of eyes, having lived life, having realized Mortal Kombat, well, I'm not that stupid at 10 years old. I'm, I stopped believing in Santa Claus. I never bought into the Easter Bunny. The Tooth Fairy, well, I had a joke for that, but let me not make that, those kind of jokes nowadays anymore. It's not appropriate. But still, I wasn't stupid enough to buy into thinking Mortal Kombat would actually be real because my whole ordeal and exposure to Mortal Kombat initially was first the game that came out and I believe it was arcades in 92 and it might have been yeah it was Mortal Monday September 93 uh, I want to say some odd days either before or after my birthday in September September 12th by the way um, I know it released it was on I had a Sega Genesis well actually let's go into that before the movie so just recap and throwing it back to way back when so I always been a gamer, uh, but my father was like allergic to paying rent and or the bills in general. So we struggled by choice because he had to support his old side family, keep them well fed and fat and not rich, but at least money in their pockets and rebuild their whole home after a fucking fire because that's how they met my father and his mistress because he worked in construction and started his own construction company at the same time when they met. I don't mind sharing any of this with you, by the way. This is like stuff I even laugh at at this point now. It's just oddly enough stuff that happens in life. I'm, I'm way past this, so don't don't act like I, I need to be triggered. Don't be offended for me, by the way. This is perfectly fine to share this. It just adds up to it. So point being is that I'm sure her children, the mistress that he had, had... Nintendo probably the the very first NES Nintendo when it fucking when it fucking dropped because they had a, a whole father on top of my father contributing to their household so when he did all that and emptied out his pockets for all them's when he comes back to us saying oh I got nothing what, what are you looking at me for you know go ask the neighbor for sugar go ask the neighbor for fucking whatever put something on the table tonight who gives a shit don't look at me for that. You know, it's 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 a head scratcher, but the original Nintendo came out in 1985. I was born the same year, so there was no way I was going to get one that same year. So I guess in that sense, it did make sense. I got one finally in 1990, five years into the Super Nintendo. Uh, sorry, the Nintendo being around. 91, the Super Nintendo drops, and I believe maybe maybe a little after that, Sega Genesis dropped afterwards too. I don't remember the years too well. But I was stuck with a Nintendo for the longest time until my father had the brilliant idea of because he was bored and because he got bored of Mario Brothers because the only reason he bought it for me too was because he was like, oh, this is something new. Let's try this out. Not so much for me, 
but just because he was into it too. But because he didn't know how to beat it himself, and I only knew a little better than him just because I have a younger brain and mind and took more of the games because it was an excuse to get away from homework, he'd get mad and just fling the control at the screen all the time, carajo, hijo de puta, when he kept like dying at like the first Bowser Castle. So when he bought Sega Genesis, I'm assuming it's like a lot of parents thought technology works after a certain age because they're older and, you know, God bless their hearts, but their brains ain't as so snappy as ours. Ours are. He might have thought the Sega Genesis, which he bought stolen, by the way. Uh, Jackson Heights, shout out to them. Uh, the Colombians, they know who they are. Um, he would be able to play better because it was a newer system and or it was a different game that wasn't fucking Mario, as he would always say. Um, so I ended up getting Sega Genesis off of that right before Mortal Kombat dropped. I had a best friend in school at that time who was, I guess, considered a cool kid without me knowing. I just never realized, but he was in with the cool kids. and He was always like, uh, I think, what, we that was like 93, so I was eight years old. I think he already had like cigarette packets like in his backpack at that time because he was raised by his aunt. So his aunt was like way older than she should have been to be raising kids. So pretty much no eyes like on him growing up. He'd have cigarettes. He'd have, he didn't have weed, but he, had, he definitely had cigarettes with him. And I think he was just one of those that had them, but never smoked them because I think he couldn't figure out the lighter. Just like I still can't the, the flicker, the, the, the lighter, whatever thing. So. He, br- he brings over Mortal Kombat the day it came out, Mortal Monday, same day it dropped, because of course, Ant gave him money, he said he wanted a game, got it, brought it over. I only got one round into fucking, I don't even know which characters we played, but I do remember we played one round of Mortal Kombat. My mom, nosy as fuck, comes into the room to check on us, not even to feed us, not even to do something as nice as a mother should in that case, just to fucking snoop and see what the fuck we were doing. And of course, she sees us fucking, she sees him, I think, it might have been Sub-Zero, it might have been that, like, uh, ripping out the spine fatality he pulled off. So then she sees that. My mom's not a religious nut or a maniac like that, but she was in some sort of religious affiliation at that point. So she damn near lost her mind. She sends him home that same instance. He has to pull out the game in a quick hurry, of course, he's out the house, and as soon as he leaves, or she slams the door right behind him to get him the fuck out the house, the only time she ever started cursing was she was about to beat my ass, next thing you know, I'm laid out, all I see is black, and the next thing I know, I wake up, all I'm looking at is at the ceiling, and some stars around my head, but still, like, okay, menopause is a bitch, she was, like, kind of in the midst of, or I think phasing out of menopause at that time, but Mortal Kombat was like the trigger point. I guess all the blood reminded her of that week coming up of that month. Uh, I don't know, but still. That was my earliest memory of Mortal Kombat. So fast forward to two years later. Thank God my mom didn't speak English. I wouldn't even say well, like barely, in 95. So when Mortal Kombat, the movie comes out, she does trust me enough to go with that same friend, I believe, Michael, to the theaters out here, I'm referring out here to Queens, New York, to the theaters that used to be on Steinway Street to go see Mortal Kombat because it's whatever. I'm with another dude, so 
nothing can go wrong. We go see it. And I just remember it being like pretty cool. And I didn't love it as much as he did or other kids did, feeling like they were so badass because they saw Mortal Kombat. I was like, you know what? It wasn't great. Because the only other times I got to play Mortal Kombat or even like got to witness the, the gore and the fatalities and all that shit was like overseeing at other kids' house because she would still trust me to go to other kids' house but then I'd, be, I'd barely be there for like an hour and she'd be coming back and picking my ass up. You know, barely got to live a life. I mean, I again, I'm eight, nine, whatever, but still, come on, let me live. Uh, so that was my only direct exposure. So what I went into Mortal Kombat, the movie, thinking, as I'm sure a lot of people did, even if they had a better idea of what PG-13 or PG meant, I thought I was going to see, like, heads flying off. I thought I was going to see hearts ripped out with Kano and people getting burned alive via Scorpion, whatever, too. But none of that happened. So I was kind of disappointed, but I didn't hate it either. What I was like, oh, it sucked or whatever. I'm 10. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing anyway. I'm still, like, probably picking my nose and scratching my ass or maybe the other way around, too. But I did enjoy it. I didn't, like, hate it, but I, I did expect a lot more. Which is my one first gripe with the movie. Considering it's 1995. Okay. Considering it's a couple of years removed from, I, I believe it might have been Hillary Clinton or whoever it was that was heading up the whole thing about, oh, we need to get rid of shit like Mortal Kombat because it's influencing children to be violent and exposing the gore and violence as, as full of this thing and other games and movies of the sorts are. We're going to raise a whole generation of criminals or deviants or sex addicts or whatever which wasn't the case I mean I mean that's a whole thing too to get into that but then you know yes there was Columbine yes there was other things eerily similar enough too but there's no blame to place on games for being the main culprit of that that's also uh, you know a thing like poor upbringing there's also a thing like you know uh, parents that suck even in the 90s I mean parents to be honest no offense to parents now but not all of course but there are some that really fucking bite the big one as in a big fat cock how much they suck and sucking off with teeth how much it hurts to realize that they suck as parents and they're doing a bad job parent because they're worrying about being their best friend's child um, best friends they're worrying about being their child's friend instead of being who's supposed to raise them or who's supposed to discipline them and teach them right from wrong how to be a an upright contributing citizen of the world and or a worthy member of fucking society. That's besides the point though. But yeah, I, I that was my main gripe. Hoping it had been more gory, I think it would have made it immediately, okay, maybe not immediately, but at least better. It's not bad overall, but it does, well, he is in, uh, in comparison it is a lot better than Street Fighter, which I want to say was before Mortal Kombat, which I, it seems like it had a bigger budget just to go like more around the world, do its thing with whoever the fuck was involved in all that shit, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme also too, that's a big selling point I'm sure, but that movie was absolute fucking trash, and let me know in the comments, let me know later on YouTube, wherever you got to reach out to me at, if you want me to go in depth a fucking Street Fighter. I'll be more than happy to, but I just want to see if there's an audience for it. I want to see if there's anticipation building for it too as well. 
that's referring to Street Fighter. It was a very horrible movie. The Mortal Kombat, though. Where's the violence? I mean, listen. If you want blood, if you want gore, you don't get any of that here. Obviously, PG-13, at 10 years old, I have no idea what that means. I just know, oh, the 13 means I have to be 13 and up. But then, you know, that theater I mentioned, Steinway, rest in peace, it's no longer there. It was easy to sneak in, which I didn't have to. We were able to just go see it. I think, I don't remember why, actually. Oh, you know what? They they just let us. I think I I think they could tell we were like we weren't thirteen, but they were like, oh fuck, it's Mortal Kombat. It's not like fucking Cruel Intentions or some really sex filled movie, whatever. It's just Mortal Kombat, some video game bullshit. So I don't think it mattered in that case. Excuse me. But yeah, uh, the lack of violence. I mean, the only I'm I believe the only bit of blood you see. In the whole flick, there's like the little bit, the little droplet of blood that uh, Shang Tsung like wipes away from his lip while he's at the very end. You know, skipping ahead, spoilers by the way, 25 years later, but still 25? Oh, 515. Uh, yeah, 25. 25. <laughs> oh, brain fart, sorry. 25 years later, spoiler, but yeah, towards the end, the very last fight with him and Liu Kang, again. That's the only time you see even a hint of blood. Even then, it's like literally a little droplet, like nothing of blood. He just wipes from his fucking lip, which I get tired of too, because I know that was a big thing in, um, God, what was that uh, Bruce Lee flick? Um, Fuck, Into the Dragon, where he does that in the fucking mirror house scene, wherever, with the last guy at the very end too. Wipes the blood, licks it, whatever, all that shit. It's overplayed. Because you see that in all these other fucking movies. The bad guy does it to signify he's bad or he's just like a badass. And then the good guy does it on occasion to be like, oh, well, now it's on. It's real, whatever kind of thing. It's overplayed. We get the point, too. Plus, considering we're living in the times we live in now, pandemic, COVID, socially distancing, all that shit, too. I think the last thing we should be doing is licking our own blood after someone's sweat has interacted with that blood, most likely, and or their flesh Via, via knuckles or whatever else is going on or whatever else they're hitting us with it's disgusting it's unhygienic as well too but there's that uh, you know the closest thing we get to gore or like we do see deaths which does bother me a little bit because if uh, the, well the first death is within the first five minutes but it means nothing it adds nothing to the film because it's uh, Shang Tsung kills the younger brother. I be- yeah, the younger brother of Liu Kang, uh, Chan or Chang, one of those, or Chan with a G at the end. If not, drop the G and then you get Chan. Whatever. He kills him. I believe he has a dream. No, he legit kills him, and then Liu Kang is able to see it through a dream, or I guess maybe like he just senses in his mind that his brother died or whatever. Or he probably relived in his head. Betty get said that might be it. And basically Shao Tsung saying, you're next or whatever. So my question about Chang, though, he's a very minimal part of the actual movie, but he is a driving point mainly for, mostly for Liu Kang because he's driven on revenge for the fact that he needs to confront Shao, uh, Shang Tsung. He needs to... 
avenge his brother's death. But then, wait a second. Halfway through the film, I believe it's Raiden with Liu Kang, with the monks in the temple that Liu Kang ran away from because, well, okay, that's a side note for later on. But Raiden points out to him, well, Chan or Chang, whatever, was trying to do what you did, copy you, follow you in your footsteps, and got prepared for the tournament, fought in the tournament, but died. And then Liu Kang's like, well, why'd you let him? You're a fucking god. You could have protected him. Why'd you let him? Or why'd you even let him get into the tournament? You could have stopped him. You could have talked him out of it. Which does make a lot of sense because it's, it's odd. Why do I have to avenge my brother's death if my brother sucked? Or my brother maybe had half the training, maybe little to no training compared to what I had. I, I never knew for the longest time these monks... I don't know if all, of course, but at least these monks from where Liu Kang came from had all this kind of fighting training and like martial artists of some sorts too. They could defend themselves and somehow Liu Kang's a chosen one, which isn't really explained either. I, I guess he's a chosen one because they proved his brother sucked. And because he was younger, they thought, well, he's the younger one, the more spry one. He might be more flexible. He might be able to do more. But then they probably... Maybe they already knew in comparison, haven't seen him fight before somehow, that, well, he sucks, but we'll let him do it anyway. He might just pull it off somehow. But then he dies, and then it's like, well, he did suck, but there's always Liu Kang. He's the chosen one. Let's just put it on him now, somehow, some way. I never got that part, to be honest. But if it makes sense to anyone else, or maybe there's something I'm missing, feel free to point it out at some point here in the comments or wherever else you're at. But there is that. So basically, Liu Kang has to avenge his brother, not only for his death, but because his brother sucked in comparison to him, which again, he's somehow the chosen one. Okay, there's that. Uh, that's the first death in the film, in the very leading, the lead-in death. To the, what the fuck am I saying? I'm sorry, excuse me. That's the first death we see in the movie. Okay. So then after that... We probably, I, I'm jumping ahead. I want to say it might be. I oh God, I don't remember, to be honest. I, I think it might be Sub-Zero's first fight, which is another thing that bothered me a lot about how Sub-Zero and Scorpion were misrepresented in this film. They weren't really given the proper justice, considering I believe still they were the most popular characters of the franchise. I mean, there's Liu Kang, whatever. He's, like, supposed to be the, the lead good guy who gives a shit. Johnny Cage is the fucking, the cornball asshole lead Hollywood actor guy, which is cool. The the, the role is played well by whoever it was. I, I'm not good with names. Okay. I never liked Sonya Blade. In the fucking game, she was... Okay, listen. The game was fucking motion captured, green screen, whatever, by fucking legit... I guess martial artists or actors pretending to be martial artists who made their own moves. Yes. Do the, does the game visually age well? No. Does the movie age well? No, it doesn't. CGI-wise, no, it doesn't. I get that. But even in motion captioning, CGI, whatever the fuck they did for those actors in the game specifically, Sonya Blade sucked from back when too. Her, her moves look fake and stiff and just stupid. Outside of the fucking sidekick that Johnny Cage had, outside of bicycle kick that Liu Kang had and all that too, Sonya Blade never convinced me I never liked as a character. 
in the movie. Holy shit, I don't fucking like her. I, 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 listen, one man's opinion, I feel she was miscast entirely. They, they could have gone with someone else. I'm stretching here. I'm absolutely reaching here. I can't think of another tall, leggy blonde at that time in 95. I'm not too familiar with, like, uh, who was out there at that time that could be that. Renee Russo was too old. She she wouldn't look right. Uh, Sandra Bullock might be too short to play that. And she'd have to be a blonde. Well, the young Sandra Bullock was kind of hot, though. Oh, uh, God. I don't know. Cameron Diaz, was she was she around? No, she had just done The the Mask, maybe in 1994. Maybe? Nah, I don't know. Maybe she wouldn't have fit either. All right, so maybe there weren't a lot of blondes, at least I could think of. Or people that could pass off as blondes that could have played Sonya Blade. But at least the girl who played it, uh, Bridget Nielsen, I believe her name is, uh, didn't really convince me to do it for me uh, throughout the thing. She had a cool intro. The way they introduced her into the film. She's a fucking cop with a fucking squad of cops busting in on a nightclub in, I believe it was Los Angeles, in the middle of the fucking dance rave party, whatever's going on. They're fucking knocking people out. They're fucking taking people out and all that. And she's on the hunt for fucking Kano. Her arch nemesis in this case because she killed one of her partners of her squad. So now it's her life mission to fucking hunt him down and take him out. Proof of that was just, again, great intro, cool introductory scene of a character that's otherwise kind of corny and, you know, could have been left behind. She has a line which proves her corniness and only certifies it. When one of the guys says, you're going to have to let your guard down one die and, and just trust us. You know, we're a squad, we're a team, whatever. And she says, quote, I only trust one person. And you're looking at her. And uh, it's cringe. You know, the, the, the actress, the fucking dialogue, the dialogue throughout the film, too, is like, it could have been better. The story, too, is kind of here and there. It's kind of ping-ponging off the three, too, and like, one means less than the other. One makes less sense than the other two. I mean, Johnny just wants to validate himself as a legit martial artist who is an actor, but he's not a cornball. He doesn't have stunt doubles like the, the press is writing or the tabloids are alluding to as well. So that's his MO. Sonya just wants to kill this one guy. So why even bother having her in the tournament at all? Which I still don't get either. Why is she chosen of all things? And then you got Liu Kang who might have some tie into the guy that's like wanting to start a tournament and even have it go on in the first place did kill his brother but then he's he is the chosen one he doesn't want to be the chosen one or I think they just threw it on him because well his brother died so we might as well make him the chosen one per se so he's out here doing his thing okay that doesn't make sense to me either still doesn't really much but whatever um I don't know uh <sighs> And I'm still stuck on fucking Chan. He sucked. He went to the tournament anyway. No one really stopped and No one talked him out of it. And then they just let him do his thing. Okay, there's that too. But again, getting back to Sub-Zero and Scorpion. They do have cool intros as far as... I love the fact that... And I still remember that from the movie the first time watching it when I was 10 years old in theaters. The fact that they actually put money budget-wise, production-wise, whatever, into the costumes, into their looks... They look like the actual characters from the game. I don't know if anybody else has that gripe or that issue, but I hate when they make 
movies based on video games. And on top of all things besides changing the story, changing narratives, this doesn't happen in the game. This isn't anything to do with what the franchise is about. The best proof of that is the fucking Mario Brothers movie, which I'll also do too. Let me know if you, with feedback if you want me to do a review on that because that was also wow bad. Um, it, it's just everything is wrong about that movie. I don't know why they couldn't have just made that animated joint or something. But I love that at least for as much criticism or as like, you know, thumbs down as Mortal Kombat has gotten over time. At least the costumes and locations, we'll discuss that later, was on point. Specifically, and thank God, for Sub-Zero and Scorpion. I believe the two main most popular characters of the franchise, thank God they saved their ass with the look at least. But they are not given the proper credit and or service as they should have been. Because, yes, Sub-Zero does get one on-screen death of a monk which is useless and they're surround they're like the fucking the the putties from the Power Rangers series the first one not the fucking million incarments that came in after fucking the 95 version of it like the putties there was always like a million of them but they'd always get fucked up easily with like one punch or one kick and it was always a dramatic you know backflip into the ground when they got hit or they were like dying or whatever but at least he did get that one kill on screen of a monk. I feel that both Sub-Zero and Scorpion should have gotten at least a couple of kills, if not of the other characters or cast of Mortal Kombat, but at least some more monks or some more random fighters at least. Tally up to that scale of they've got these kills, we've seen them kill and be badass and live up to the character's clout that they've gotten from the game and the franchise and fan base and said it just the way they got mistreated. Okay, yes. There is a Scorpion and Johnny Cage fight, which this is the benchmark for me of this movie. This is where I either know if this scene's coming up, I'll watch the rest of the flick, including specifically that scene. If I missed that fight or I know I already passed that part, I don't watch the film. So I just let it go, whatever. I love that fight. I believe it is the best out of all the fights we get on screen. And it is where the movie finally shifts into second gear. As far as the timing, the pacing, fight after fight practically after that point is great to see. And especially this fight because it just cuts right away to it. It's Johnny Cage walking around in what seems to be a forest, which I think... They were alluding to one of the stages in Mortal Kombat 2, if I'm not mistaken, a forest scene, a forest level, I mean, excuse me. He's there, encounter Scorpion. Uh, I would have done a better choice of voice acting, like a deeper, deeper gruffier voice. Uh, the guy who might have been doing it might have just strained his vocals too much trying to do, get, get over here. It's like, it sounds campy and, and whatever. But Scorpion comes in, he does the little... Another thing, another gripe with the movie. It's too much CGI, relying on CGI when they could have done something else. But the fucking little snake, whatever, spear thing, whatever comes out of his palm, he shoots it out at him. It's fucking, I mean, for 1995, it's fucking awesome. Listen, if you were born in 1995 or you were born way after the fact and, you know, you're basing your CGI, your special effects on, like, shit from 
2000, 2005 onwards, I get it. This doesn't compare. It's it's no comparison. But for 1995, when I was 10 years old and this came out, it even it still even then wasn't great. That's one of the first bits of CGI that doesn't look convincing. I wish they could have found something else to do with it. But it's not bad. It's just, it's obvious special effects. But there's that. They fight for a little bit there, and then they fight and jump right into the fucking the nether realm. Uh, it's red lighting. It's it's abysmal looking. Skulls and skeletons all around. It looks like fucking hell, which is great because it is clearly a soundstage. It is clearly a vacant lot, warehouse, whatever, which is looked to fucking make, which is made to look like shit, like it does, but it's like shit in hell. So it looks the part. It looks convincing. Why? You give us the best looking fight, the best probably choreographed fight, the best physical, most physical fight in the whole movie, only to have Johnny Cage win over Scorpion. He's got a fucking animal that shoots out of his fucking palm of his hand, that bites you, that literally drags it back to him, get over here, he uppercuts you, finishing movies, he takes his fucking fleshy mask off, he's a skull underneath that's like made mostly of magma and molten lava, whatever, and burns you alive too as well. Everything's so cool about Scorpion. He, maybe he didn't have the most epic fatality of them all. I mean, that might have went to Sub-Zero with the spine rip or whatever. But how does Johnny Cage beat Scorpion? That's always been my question. Is he that cunning? Is he that intelligent? He's supposed to be a legit martial artist. That's the whole point he's trying to validate for himself. But it just seems like he came off more clever than anything and more cunning than he really should be. I mean, he's an asshole. That's like calling Kanye a genius. Kanye reaffirms it and goes out. I'd love to see Kanye in something like a Mortal Kombat case scenario. I think he'd be the first one to die just because of how much he'd fucking not stop talking to someone and be so annoyed they'd just rip his head off or something. I love Kanye. I'm, I'm saying that as a fan. On and off. You know, bipolar. As far as he's concerned with his behavior and such, but he'd probably be the first one to die if he was like in an ever in a Mortal Kombat situation. Excuse me. But yeah, Johnny Cage kills off fucking Scorpion. He does the same later on to fucking Goro, which that's another thing we could talk about. But then back to the misrepresentation of Scorpion and Sub Zero, at least in this film. It's. Next thing you know, fucking, we find out Scorpion is nothing more than a skeleton with magma boiling inside of him. He gets his head sliced off. He blows up, implodes, because now all of a sudden, the magma molten lava inside of him is up to a peak level where he can't contain himself no more. Or maybe because he got exposed to, to oxygen, the CO or something, that combusts and just fucked up the whole elements inside him. And then he just implodes, explodes, excuse me then he's gone then that goes into Liu Kang with Sub-Zero second best fight I believe in the whole movie the most physical contact not so much flipping action not so much yoinking or like um, action wiry jumpy action whatever too it's like legit they're fighting pretty much it looks convincing enough I don't get how the fuck well, leading into, sorry, leading before the, I believe, before the Scorpion-Johnny Cage fight, Liu Kang has a fight with Katana, 
who again, by the way, as I said earlier too, is a piece of ass. That's the only cast member I know the name of, Talisa Soto. Shout outs to her. If anyone knows where they can reach her at, let her know. I said she's a piece of ass, and I mean that with the us both respect, considering I believe she's married to Benjamin Bratt. So there goes life. I missed my shot. 25 years later, but still, <laughs> I'm talking about. But um, she hints to him, I hate this fight. It's so stupid. It's physical, it's cool, it's a man versus a woman, it's kind of cool in that aspect too as well, but then she's dragging it out too much. She has to like subdue him three times to give him three different like Shakespearean-like spoken hints on his next battle with fucking um, Sub-Zero. She's like, well, blah, 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 Shakespeare, Shakespeare, Shakespeare-esque, and then the last one is, uh, to defeat your next opponent, you must use the element of life or whatever I don't understand this now, now call me stupid if you must I'll I'll admit to it I'll own up to it in this case I'm not shy of that but the element of, of life apparently is water which I get if you're a fucking plant I'm not I, I don't think you are either I mean I know we're made up of water there's a good high percentage of water in our bodies and shit but I never knew that the water, the element of life was water. And of all things, when he's in the midst of the fight with Sub-Zero, and Sub-Zero's like fucking getting his uh, his spirit bomb, ice bomb, whatever, together to do whatever else he's going to do, or in his ice bubble, literally, he's like fucking Elsa from Frozen, just like channeling his shit. Uh, then he realizes that he's on the ground, like, what's the element of water? Element of life. Water. It just comes to him all of a sudden. What she could have fucking just said, use water against him, because he's ice. To impale him like he did at the end, too. Which, again, make, makes Liu Kang seem like a genius. Or, or he would have done really well at Jeopardy, if anything, too, of all people. Defend the Earth, Earth realm that way. How about, you know, you go make it a final Jeopardy. And see if you can win the fucking the Highlander, or something, at least. But, no, he just randomly guesses that. Then he knows to throw the water bucket, which, again, Raiden of all people being a god, could have told him to, could have done him that favor. I would think if you want the humans to win the tournament called Mortal Kombat, a combat of mortals versus not-so-mortal people, and to have him have a fighting winning chance of it all, you could also tell him, use water against the iced element-based guy, and you might be able to win if you know how to use the water too. So how do I use the water? And then you go on and tell him doing that courtesy at least. But she has a speaking fucking Shakespearean riddles. He happens to just be there dressed up in drapes before the fight and knows the place water bucket is there as well too, which is spilled. The, the, the buckets are spilled. So that means the water spilled out. So how was how he able to pick up the bucket, fling it around too over the shoulder, not side to side or not just like kind of holding and kind of like see if he can aim it properly like this is like Call of Duty and seeing where to throw the mine before it like blows up in your hand and shit he's flinging it and he's throwing it it's all over the place too and shit and then he just throws a bucket and there's still water in there somehow from a spilt or turned over bucket I don't know but then that goes that turns into a spike made of ice and it goes straight into fucking sub-zero sternum and he's dead or he freezes somehow I don't get how he fucking freezes too he gets impaled by it but shout out to Ryan, R-Y-P Keo as well. And also make sure if you're watching and listening right now, wherever you're doing it or listening or watching, 
Check out the episode we did with him for Godfather 3, I believe episode 5 as well. Shout out to him. But yeah, moving on. I mean, listen, it is 1995. I'm going to not be so harsh considering, or try not to be, considering during these times. The year, A year later, there's 1996, obviously. There's Titanic, which I believe they actually rebuilt a whole replica of the Titanic ship itself. And they had, of course, the assistance of CGI to make the whole thing look real. I mean, it was such a good movie, according to most people. I liked it. I, I think it might have dragged on a little too long, but I liked it. Um, you know, oh, shout out to Delcy. Happy New Year, by the way. I haven't seen you in, or heard of you in forever. They made that look real enough with just enough assistance from the computer graphics and everything, too. But Mortal Kombat could have benefited from, I don't know, maybe less of the unnecessary CGI. Because one thing that stood out to me a lot was when it came to bringing in Reptile. This is 1995. Again, computer graphics ain't so technologically evolved as they are in like 2015 or 25 years later now, 2021. But still, Reptile was poorly done. Maybe they could have like cut back, did some editing or some sorts differently. I don't know. It could have been more convincing, but the way they did it was like really bad. It, it looked like a reptile from like Commodore 64, if anything. So it, it could have been done less or maybe leave reptile out. I know it helped. It did give us the very last, the, the precursor to the end battle, the final scene, uh, Liu Kang and Shang Tsung. And I'd say probably the neck and neck tied with Sub-Zero Liu Kang is the second best fight, maybe the third best one of the film itself too, Reptile and Liu Kang. But it, it's just so cheesy, it's so bad. And I know, again, 1995, we can't really expect, you know, life-altering graphics or special effects being done, but mm -mm, it's no bueno. I don't like it. And that was the first bit of proof of that too. There's uh, some other things too as well. I don't know. There's a lot that does go wrong with the movie. There's a lot that could have been different about the movie. I do like, and I do remember hearing and reading, I believe, Goro was an oversized puppet or a Muppet. I don't know if, if Muppet is used to describe just a Jim Henson puppet, or is it a Muppet? I, I don't fucking know, but it's a, it's a humongous puppet. It's kind of like the Mandalorian now. They built that $5 million puppet version of fucking Baby Yoda or Grogu. They did that. For the sake of making it look somewhat real, which they did a really good job with uh, Grogu on both seasons. 1995 again. I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm not trying to be that big a dick. And I am 10 years old at the time, so it's convincing enough to me, these eyes from 20 years ago, 25 years ago, excuse me. It is convincing enough from back when. But they didn't, they didn't do a bad job. I was just thinking, why not put a, a guy, a short guy on top of another guy in a suit, put the arms on the other guy. Well, no, that wouldn't work because then you got the normal size guy with arms down here and you got the short person on top with full size arms, but then they can't really fully reach out because they're, you know, like this instead of being like this. So, no, that didn't want to work either. Okay, so I guess a puppet in this case. See, I figured it out on my own, like a big boy. The puppet works in this case, in the case of Goro. Goro, 
at least he had a bunch of debts, a bunch of souls taken before his fight with, again, Mr. Miracle Man, fucking Johnny Cage. The guy that can defeat skeletons and spit hot flames like they were Dylon, top five favorite rappers of all time. And the man who could beat a fucking half dragon, half man, who's like eight feet tall and got two extra arms on top of that. And they're both, all forearms are brolic and cut. Knows to fucking punch him in the nuts. Which, I guess, confirms dragons. As much as we've had dragons representing, you know, in cartoons and fucking Games of Thrones. Uh, how to train your dragon. We never even get to know the science behind dragon nuts. I know obviously dragons reproduce They make other dragons as well too Then they were Shrek 2 With fucking Donkey and the dragon as well The dragon's a female and she's fucking I think there's a part in Shrek 2 Where They're in the castle They find Donkey finds out it's a female Or a girl, a girl dragon And she's like sucking his dick At some point Correct me if I'm wrong but I'm gonna watch it again And I'm gonna pull that scene if I have to I'm pretty sure they alluded to that or they might have actually had him just suck his dick because he's like at some point saying something like, oh, girl, be careful. You know, Eddie Murphy, how he says that. Shout out to him. But so dragons have sexual organs, obviously, but we never see them. And I don't want to see Goros as nuts either. I don't need that being one of the selling points for the R-rated uh, Mortal Kombat remake coming out later this year, of all things. I hope not. We don't need any kind of nudity of like half mortals, half dragons, whatever either. But then Goro's taken care of easily with the greatest of ease by, again, miracle work of fucking Sabiant, Johnny Cage of all things. He knows how to fucking defeat him too. Easily. Makes him chase him, chase him off the fucking edge of a mountain. He falls to his death. Again, 1995, the graphics aren't great. He just falls and it looks like the... um. It looks like the, first, the the last death in uh, RoboCop 1 with the executive that he shoots at the fucking window and he falls and somehow his arms are way longer than his whole torso is. It's unconvincing, it's not as bad, but it's like, you know, does he, do we really need to see him fall to his death? We saw him ripping off the edge, we saw him lose his grip and fall. We don't need to see the actual fall itself if the falling convincing. Because I think, I think one of the best falling... I don't remember if it was a falling to the death. But one of the best falls I remember seeing that wasn't like obviously for real a fall was uh, Avatar. Which uh, maybe I'll do Avatar sometime soon since supposedly we're getting that sequel. I think it was supposed to be this year or something like that. But I don't remember. James Cameron, who knows what he's up to or how busy his schedule is considering now the pandemic also. But I didn't hate Avatar. It was it was good. I I seen it too many times already. It's, it's been on TV, FX. Most importantly, too many times for me to even want to watch it again now at this point. But yeah, uh, Goro's taken care of way too easily, considering he's a half dragon, half man. I didn't like that either. Also, when they're leading up to Goro, I hate that at the scene where another character, which is poorly represented which was done no justice, which could have been another villain that could have led up to, you know, having conflict with Shang Tsung, having wanted to be the overlord, the main bad guy, Kano. When Goro first meets Kano, Kano, it, fun fact, I don't know if everyone knows this, but Kano wasn't Australian in the game or 
wasn't supposed to be Australian in the movie either until the movie was made. And it turns out the actor playing him was Australian and he just did the accent. He didn't know any better or he wasn't told at least. So whose fault is that? Whose finger do you point at? But it was like, uh, what, what do you call those babies that are like, that are randomly born, but they're like a happy, happy accident. There we go. A happy accident. Kano becomes Australian for the film, which is great too, because obviously the guy's Australian. This might be before the Australian actors or the English actors nowadays play American people better than we do. That's great. It was an, a very nice added touch. Again, another person I feel underrepresented is Kano. When they first interact, Goro and Kano, why is Goro such a well-spoken individual? I get it. He's like the what the lord of the underground or something like that. He, he says some Shakespearean like fucking extra shit. I am the king of the underground, whatever. But he's so well-spoken with such a gruffy voice like that. You would think a half-man, half-dragon would be like a little more brutal in his fucking English or a little bit more of a ruffian with his English than the damn new Shakespearean, uh, what, what is it, the Merchant of Venice-like lingo we got from him. I will not fail! As he fucking screams at one point too, the Kano, of all things. Kano too, I really felt he could have been like an underboss, he could have been like a competing villain with Shang Tsung, but then he's, you know, out of here as soon as he fights with Sonya. Guy was a great asshole in the fucking movie, in the game, all that too, all, all its embodiments. I, I hate that Sonya gets one of the kills, on-screen kills as well too, but that she does it with like a leg lock, like half a leg lock. It's it's such a unconvincing, poorly done leg lock, like her legs are barely wrapped around his fucking head, so I don't know why he's struggling like he does. Uh then she brings him down he he practically brings himself down to his knees to make it more convincing which it really isn't and it doesn't help at all so then all of a sudden of course cheesy line oh come on Sonya give me a break she's like okay cracks his neck and he's dead listen I only say this because I used to be a martial artist at a very young age um if ever time permitting and I could find a school that's affordable I'll take it up again but Basically, with that being said, that's not a convincing fucking representation of a leg lock or wrapping legs around someone's neck to break their neck, of all things. Maybe submit, or maybe he was too turned on by how probably good a pussy smelled. I don't know, but it's not convincing at all. Please don't think that's actually something you could pull, at least a leg lock that looks like that. No, it's not going to fucking work, trust me. I tried it too, and well, not anybody else like that. I'm not trying to kill anybody, but you know what I mean. Uh, let's see. I made some notes here. I'm just going through them as we speak. Did I mention Princess Katana is a piece of ass? I know I said that a couple times, but goddamn, she looks good in this fucking movie. Uh, doo -doo 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 -doo. Let's see what else we got here. Uh, kill a puppet, dragons, and nuts. Oh. Here's a little fun part I noticed. Towards the end, when they're trying to travel to the realm where I believe Sonya was taken prisoner uh, by Shang Tsung because he wants to challenge her and because she won't fight him. If she forfeits, then they get to take over Earth, enter the realm, and just decimate everything. 
they they walk through what was the old world of where Katana used to be from, where they previously had went to and destroyed and, you know, ravaged and all that and killed her parents and took her in as a fucking heir to that realm. So she's a princess that's been alive for 10,000 years. I was thinking, ain't this a little bit of overkill? And this was actually a nice touch considering it was a PG-13 film. It wasn't like extreme or really morbid. It was just like, huh, that's a nice odd touch they're walking through the realm her Liu Kang and I believe Johnny Cage and there's a bunch of people well if this was so long ago I don't know why they're still there but they walk by a bunch of I guess ogres or maybe people that just mutated over time because their corpse like were desecrated like that people they were crucified and on fire on top of that so I would think either or would be bad enough punishment, getting burned to death or either crucified and left to die as is. But it seems like they might have been crucified and on top of that set a flame underneath there too, which is crazy because, you know, God forbid any of us here or ever in that case scenario, we have to choose how we want to die. But I think either or will be bad enough. Maybe not crucified because that seems painful enough. Maybe set on fire too, but then that's a long, painful, agonizing death. I don't know. That was just an odd touch. Because if they had invaded her realm so long ago, how are they still there, practically intact as they were? They just turned to ogres because maybe they peeked down one point and saw how disgusting they looked. And like, oh, and shocked themselves in the ogre-ish states. And then got set on fire somehow. I don't know. But, um... Then there's the last fight. I guess let's jump to that. The last fight, Liu Kang, Shang Tsung. Another physical encounter. I like it. It was cool overall. I really like that it's a simple touch. And I love the fact that they alluded to the location too. The location, uh, it was Malaysia? Yeah, Malaysia. For the most part of where the tournament was being held. I love the scenery. It's perfect. It's beautiful. I've always wanted to go to Malaysia. I've always also wanted to go to Thailand for the old temples, for the old things they got over there too as well, castle-like structures as well. This is proof further that as soon as this pandemic is done, I'm fucking hopping on the first thing over to Malaysia, pretty much. Or at least to recreate the Sunya Blade fight in there and do it better than her bum-ass did. But, yeah, location was fucking perfect for the film itself and then leading up to this shit I like that they made the fucking inside of where they actually fought where they started fighting at least was the Mortal Kombat Dragon logo itself on the ground which is a great touch it's an additional touch you don't really see that too much now or it's kind of like superimposed in green screen whatever too it, it seems like they actually had to make that shit in there too because as they progress and then Shang Tsung, he takes all these souls and shit, whatever. Excuse me. And then he, Liu Kang has to fight off all the other souls of past combatants that he had taken their souls from and kills them all in one hit KOs as well too. Liu Kang's that deadly, apparently. They move their way up to cut down below to the logo, a better view of. And then as Shang Tsung is pretending to be Chang, the, you know, the really sucky brother that entered the tournament as well but died instantaneously 
So Liu Kang's only avenging his brother that sucked. That's why, I guess. They cut away to the fucking logo. I really like this. As simplistic as it is, maybe it just proves how simple-minded I am. I love the fact that spikes start shooting out from underneath the logo. So that whoever falls on them obviously dies and gets impaled and shit. Obviously, the good guy has to win. So Liu Kang summons his power, realizes his destiny. I am the chosen one. Whatever. Beats Shang Tsung to death and uppercuts him off the fucking tall thing they're up on top. He falls, gets him impaled by the spikes and loses all the souls he had taken before. He gets one last goodbye with his brother and spirit forms like... I'll see you one day, brother. Soon enough. Whatever. He left out the part, you know, because I sucked. I'm only here because of that. But soon enough, man, we'll be together again. And then, you know, cut away. The movie's over. Then, I forget, is it Shao Kahn? The guy with the, the brolic guy with the mask? The skull mask? I think that's him at the end. That's like overshadowed over the temples. And like, uh, you know, I'm coming for you next, Whatever. And, and all that shit. Then the movie ends, pretty much. Um, again, as I said earlier, the Scorpion fight with Johnny Cage is where I kind of draw the line for the movie itself. If I see it's on TV, I cut it on, and I see that that fight hasn't happened yet, I'll watch the movie. Mainly for that fight, and I'll probably stick with the rest of it for the sake of. If I see it's on, and I know the fight is past, I don't watch the rest of it. It's It just doesn't engage me like that. That fight was so cool itself alone, it's kind of hard to really say the movie's bad. It's not great. Absolutely not. It's also not that bad either because it's direct competition from, I believe, earlier. 94's Street Fighter is terrible in comparison. Overall, as a movie itself, forgetting the fact it's a video game movie, franchise-based, whatever, forgetting the fact that it's Jean-Claude Van Damme starring and he normally be enough of a saving grace, and even that's speaking way too favorably of him. And the terrible performance he did as an American G.I. Guile. It's hard to say Mortal Kombat's bad. It's not great... So in that case, you know what? Let's jump into the fucking rating system. All right, listen. Because of Wonder Woman 1984, which I was so disappointed with, and I was hurt by having to say it sucked, pretty much, I had to create a rating system exclusive to who this been watching. Because I don't want it to be your average rating system where, oh, it's a four out of four stars because it changed my life and perspective on women and how powerful they can be and some cuck shit like that. No, we're not doing that. What we're doing right now is who has been watching rating system, which is based off emojis and or emotions because they're more realistic as to how you would react during a fucking film. So let me break it down to you like this to keep it simple enough. And so, you know, if you haven't watched the past episode yet and been up to that part, you'll know now how it works and how it's been built. So, Starting off, if let's say something's a classic, a masterpiece, I have to watch it every single time it's on TV. Uh, I have to watch it every so often because I'm easily inspired, motivated by, or I think everybody on the planet should be watching this fucking movie. 
it gets a four out of four, or in that case, a yes. Give me more. Let me see more of it. Let me get a sequel. Let me get a prequel. Let me get a whole franchise of that shit because it's that good. Four out of four. Incredible. Phenomenal. Astronomical. Whatever. Then if we bump it down to, let's say, three out of four, it gets a, ah, meaning really great, really good. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I'll watch it when it's on TV. But I wouldn't say it's a classic. I'd say it's a really good film. I'd say it's something excellent and worthwhile, but just not a masterpiece. I put it really high up there, but it's just not the best of the best. It's almost there, but it's not the best of the best. Now we work our way down further to two out of four range territory, intermediate ground. It'll get a O, which is not great. It's good. Not terrible. It's bad. Not abysmal. I don't want to slip my wrist after having watched that. But you know what? It's it's there. It's okay. I mean, it's it's. I'd say maybe even guilty pleasure territory of like if it's on nostalgia. It wasn't that bad. This is one scene I like a lot. The rest of it could be better, but it's okay too. Intermediate, you know, playing ground. That's what we leave it at. Two out of four. Now, if something is one out of four to be considered. It's meh. It's, I was hoping to be better, but it's not. It could have been a lot worse, but it's still pretty bad. It's a stinker. What the fuck kind of thing. Maybe not so much what the fuck, but more like, I wish I hadn't watched that kind of thing. Where can I get my time back from? Who do I fucking write or complain to or act like a Karen act towards so that I can get that back some way, somehow? Recompensation of some sorts. That's a one out of four meh. Now, if something, and I'm looking forward to giving out my first one, I'm going to save all my fucking energy as much possible as that day. I'm going to be acting like a woman halfway through her period in her 30s, and I can't get that last fucking bit of gushy, mushy, jello like blood out of my pussy. I'm that fucking aggravated and enraged. It'll get a zero out of four, which turns into or is the equivalent of why? Why would anyone sign off on a budget for this shit to be made? Why is this even popular in fucking Malaysia? Why did people have to run off to fucking China or anywhere else to fucking have this thing made and then eventually it'll appear in our VOD service streaming over here stumble upon it one day because we're that bored pandemic we've watched every series movies possible we've had in our fucking cue list for the longest time then we stumble upon this fucking thing it's like why why god damn it why this of all things that's a zero out of four I'm looking forward to my very first one which won't be the case today with Mortal Kombat from 1995 Starring a whole bunch of people. I don't even know if they're fucking acting at this point no more. I think Raiden went on to do Lord Rings or some shit like that. I don't know, to be honest. But more importantly, Talisa Soto. What a piece of ass. Princess Katana. Oh, shit. And yeah, she was in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Whatever, I get that. But I'm not watching that because that was fucking pure trash from 1997. Mortal Kombat 1995. I'll be dead ass honest in giving it a... Surprisingly... Hit for emphasis. Oh, a two out of four. You know what? And I know you're saying, wait a second. You're telling me Mortal Kombat from 1995 
almost 25 years older than Wonder Woman 1984 is better than that film? Yes. I was expecting a lot more from Wonder Woman 84. I hate to have to keep comparing it and bringing it back to that film. But listen, at least for me, this is my rating system, of course. This is my opinion, first and foremost. I feel that Mortal Kombat wasn't bad. It's not great. It's not a classic. It's a cult classic. Definitely has this fucking specific audience it caters to as well. I I cannot fucking bring myself to say it's terrible or it's trash or even bad. It's just okay. It's like, it's mid. It's like, you know what? I could watch this again. It's a, definitely a guilty pleasure for me. Like I said... If I make it to the Scorpion fight and it hasn't been on yet, I'll watch that and then the rest of the film. But if it's already past the Scorpion-Johnny Cage fight, I probably won't watch it. I did have fun watching this again, pointing out the little details, the little tidbits fucking spread throughout. But yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. Two out of four or oh, for motherfucking Mortal Kombat from 1995. Yes, I am fully aware. There's a remake, as I mentioned earlier, coming out later this year, I believe in April on HBO Max and I believe in theaters considering if there are any more left open I I know there are a couple open but they're kind of scarce and so spread out it's like unfortunately going to the theaters isn't a thing really at this point anymore which breaks my heart because I used to love going to movies and watching shit in the theater and really it's like a quick two hour escape especially if a movie's good it's always worth it and worthwhile and funny enough if you want further proof that I'm not saying I'm right, but if you want more of a similar fucking sympathico mind state, well, Siskel of Siskel and Ebert fame actually gave this film one thumb out of two. So that's kind of the equivalent of two out of four because then one would be a one and a half thumbs would be three out of four and then two thumbs would be four out of four. Okay, yeah, so it, it really is roughly the equivalent of. So yeah, similar minds. Why the fuck not? Shout out to Siskel. I know Ebert passed away. Rest in peace to him. I don't know if Siskel... I think Siskel's still alive, actually. So shout out to him if he's still living. I, I'll have to double check that. And apologies for not knowing that in advance, but that was a fun little fact to share with you. Just like this was fun to share with you right now. Who this been watching? Always here first on IG Live here on my page, at who this is one. Thank you for joining me as always. Please remember this episode, just like every other episode of Who This Been Watching, will be up on the YouTube, Who This Is on YouTube, or backslash Who This Is One, as well as all streaming platforms of choice where you get your podcast from, be it iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever the fuck else you use. To stream your fucking podcast of choice. Wherever you get your audio version of it too. Shout outs of course to. Well myself for having. Gave the proper goodbye. To. 50 episodes deep. 50 episodes long. Of a. I wouldn't even say controversial. I'd say more just like a unique enough approach. As far as podcasting goes. To what I used to formally do. Called something spectacular. No longer existing as we speak. All past episodes from 1 to 50 are still there to go and listen back to and hopefully enjoy. I'm sad that I have to see it go, but if you listen and most importantly, preferably watch episode 50, Thief, 
of Something Spectacular, the final episode of Something Spectacular, which I really appreciate if you do, you'll get the full-on explanation and reason as to why I ended the podcast. And I'll only be doing who this has been watching from here on out. So, as usual and as scheduled, and I promise on time, as I announced and promoted, I will be back on time next week. Stay tuned throughout the week for my IG stories to see which movie I'll be doing next week and or whatever the fuck else I've been watching throughout the week. That will be covered next Saturday. Who this been watching? IG Live always first. And then remember, a couple days later up on the YouTube as well as everywhere you get your podcast from. Audio format. I'm Who This. Thanks for watching. Hopefully you enjoyed Mortal Kombat or it's a guilty pleasure film just like it is for me, like it is for you as well. Remember, every Saturday, Come back and join me. Shout out to everybody who tuned in, who fucking jumped into the fucking live as well to comment and shout outs to them as well. Well, I already just said that, but shout outs to them again. Better get said. Latest.